0: I'm here today with a versatile and talented award-winning guitarist, educator, inventor, and entrepreneur with 10 albums to his credit, not to mention the rock and roll, <laughs> Mr. Rob Tardik. Welcome. Hello.
1: Hello, everyone. Hi, Stefan. Thanks so much for having me today. It's uh, wonderful to be here.
0: It's it's my pleasure entirely. From our conversation from before, I've been anticipating doing this uh, this interview because I have to say, I love your music. The first time oh, I was listening to you, the very first thing I thought of was I was going to be speaking with somebody with a Spanish accent. I had yeah. this feeling that you were, <laughs> you had these Spanish influences in your music. The first couple of albums I listened to it and I was thinking, wow, this guy is definitely, he's got a Spanish background. And then I was reading your bio, which I know we don't want to need to talk through bios, but you have a Hungarian background and the name didn't Correct. quite fit with a Spanish background. But I, anybody listening to your music, they're going to hear it in a lot of the songs that you've got um, that there's this really powerful Spanish background to it and it's really it's it's exciting it's really good to listen to so oh,
1: thank you thank you for that kind of intro yeah yeah definitely that element is uh, uh yet present for sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> so your your training your background training now are you classically trained first uh did you just pick up the guitar and start playing and get some influences from from musicians you would listen to or how did it how did it go for you
1: how did it go for me? I think what I first started doing was I was posing in my, um in the mirror in my bedroom on my own. I had a, my dad got me a guitar, accordion first. I started, my first instrument was accordion, but that did not last long, to be truthful. <laughs> I did not like lessons when I took, was taking lessons. I remember distinctly crying at lessons that take me home. I do not like this. So I was probably six, you know, just very young. Yeah. And then if I remember for the seventh, um, when I was seven for that Christmas, he surprised me with a guitar, which is just, it's not in the shot right now, but it's, it's, it's over there. So I'm not going to go off camera to find the guitars. Um, cause they're all kind of in the peripheral everywhere around here. There's about 20 guitars around me, surrounding me right now. But, uh, that was the seventh, um, Christmas gift that I was given. And I didn't take any formal instruction at seven. My dad got bought me a, a, just a, you know, a no-name brand acoustic guitar. Um, and what I went forward with was posing in front of my mirror <laughs> in, uh, you know, I used to, I graduated from a tennis racket. I used to do with a tennis racket. And I would sit there, literally, I was like cons- all consumed. You know, I'd play my music, whether it was a, uh, I had an old turntable. Yeah. my parents bought me a turntable when i was young a candle i remember it was like just one of those wooden box that had the wooden panels and the plastic cover the clear see-through cover and then i remember it was a candle turntable two built-in speakers on the side it was all in one little box you know my, not much bigger than my laptop that i'm speaking to you here with and um so i would just pose with my tennis racket and my parents first bought me uh, i was asked to when i do um, masterclass, I would ask my students, what was the first music do you remember that was present in your life? Like, what moved you most? Um, not that you purchased that was in your house. Like, because mm-hmm. purchasing is a very different thing than the first thing you heard. That means you had your own money, or your parents gave you money, you went to the record store back then, right? That's how we bought We had to physically go out of our house to buy music. We couldn't, there's nothing right. we could, there's nothing we could actually uh, purchase in-house, uh, not to many, many years later, decades. And, uh, so my parents brought in the first music for me that I, I heard when I was, uh, my dad was a trumpet player and uh, my grandfather played guitar semi-professionally. My dad was a hobbyist uh, growing up in Hungary. My parents, like you mentioned, were both from Hungary. And my grandfather used to play on the Danube River on a barge, you know, in a, in a boat kind of thing at, at night, sometimes after work. That wasn't on his full time, but like he did gig, he was like kind a of weekend kind of warrior guitar player and played on the weekends as a, a hobby and to fill his you know passion for music. Right. So, you know, tracing back to, you know, fast forwarding, uh, my mom bought me some of my first albums, which moved me. The first music I heard was like ABBA. Um, uh, my mom was an ABBA fan amongst all the Hungarian music, but the first Westernized music she brought me was the game by ABBA. And I have it like, again, I have a record, um, a nice wooden curio case that has all my original albums in it right beside me. Um, so ABBA, I have the full album there. And, um, And there was like sesame street because i got to remember i was six seven years old so that's what you know i had a sesame street album i think before then but the first one she got me was alba abba sorry and um i've used to keep those on very not not in this home i had to just put them in a a crate but i've had homes before where i actually had all the first albums on display on the walls i had a bigger studio before this is a little bit smaller and i used to keep all the monumental stuff that moved me so abba was one of them because it was um you know the first music i really i heard western music I was like oh this is kind of fun and i heard my mom playing and then it was jazz from my dad's side he loved the the horn players obviously uh um, miles davis and, and dizzy and you know the the classic um um jazz musicians right uh that he that he really really loved in terms of the, the the trumpet and so for me you know migrating from where i'm to now you know i always look back at those fond memories i have of these um the ABBA and Sesame Street and I think there was Kiss Alive 2 in there I think my my godparents had a friend who was over and he gifted me a Kiss Alive 2 double album uh I remember that one I still have again I have that all, all those I kept all the vinyl because they're, they're valuable you know vinyl is not something you throw away I found so I, I just keep them even though I don't even have a working turntable anymore uh I need to get one it's on my list uh, I did you know off tangent I did purchase a couple turntables. Um, like consumer ones, like from Best Buy, they weren't good though. No, no offense to, just you got to buy a good one um yep. because I find they're motor driven and there's a belt, um and they weren't consistent. I, I noticed, you know, as a musician, I'm listening at a different level. Just my ears from having so much music, I could hear pitch discrepancies, like it was slowing down and speeding up. So I go, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I was telling my wife, I go, did you hear that? That song just slowed down, like just a. Uh, even if it's a a beat, but I could tell, I go, oh, and that bothered me. I go, oh, this these things, you got to spend the money, you got to buy a real. And again, I'm not a turntable expert in terms of you know what's out there, but I, I'm gonna go. That's one of my things. Maybe 2024 is get myself spend a little money, go to one of these high end stereo stores and tell them, hey, listen, what's a good solid turntable? Because I already have stereos behind me, you can't see it, but yep. I got stereos, so I have stuff to play the albums through like good old-fashioned stairs with big boxes I get nice stereo upstairs in the living room where we watch TV but um that ABBA album going back to that ABBA and the kiss alive too and the Sesame Street um really have memories for me those three because those are really early in my years that got my real juices like it moved me I was asked what was the first you, you could I could ask you the same thing Stefan what was the first music that moved you when you were young, and it was obviously something that your parents or your uncle, your aunt, some somewhere, not that you purchased. I tell students, it's very different. When you have money, you're going out to buy stuff. Yeah, okay, that was different Then I was buying, I don't know, I was buying whatever, classical and jazz and Van Halen and Black Sabbath. You know, when I was buying all sorts of rock, and I had a very diverse, even back then, palette for music, what I bought with my own money. But my first experiences in, what was I was I was curious just in heartbeat. What was uh? do you remember? What's something you heard in the house, a style or a genre? Or, or was there something playing in, in the home that you remember as a child? Oh,
0: absolutely. I, I'm i a horrible person to ask. Do you remember? Because I have memories all the way back to I'm two years old. Oh, wow. Um, and my mother was the one that had the music. Yeah. She was jazz and musicals. So black, mm-hmm. brown and beige and um, Count Basie and Count, yeah horn and uh musicals like brigadoon and um south pacific and Oh wow! so this is that's my background is that music and then as my siblings got older yes it was all the albums that came from that uriah heap and you know and that <laughs> music started kicking and when the parents yeah. weren't around that is not south pacific what is this music you know uh, i'd get uh i'd get uh smoke on the water was yeah. one of those sounds in my head that's always been around whenever I go anywhere and somebody asks you know they say hey we'll play you know what would you like uh, like us to play what do you want to hear and I would always yell out smoke on the water <laughs> Bravo
1: I know that's funny you still get asked that one now and then right and uh yeah that was the very first and I if somebody asked me what was the very first song I learned on guitar that was smoke on the water it was the very first one I figured out and but I figured it out on the wrong string like I was playing it on like I remember if I grabbed my Tart. Try and grab whatever. This is not the. Rock. I have a jazz guitar. Funny enough, beside that's the closest one because I was practice probably... is This isn't too. Let me see. Yeah, I was like, Yep. And I was like, Oh, that's that's. I'm playing it, and then it only took it. Well, I don't know if it was weeks or months, but then later I said, Oh, if I play this, like, there you go. And so, oh, that sounds. Better because it's deep, darker in the pitch. But it took me a while to figure that out because at first I was just <laughs> melodicized. You know, I was hearing the melody, dan, 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 so I played it on the higher strings. But clear, honestly, that's the very first first thing when I got my first guitar and amp. I was um, gifted by a family friend back then when I graduated later on to electric guitar and stuff. Um, I remember uh, <laughs> learning those, and then later I, I said, "Oh, you can actually play these with chords and real." Now it's like you know what I mean and but again when you're when you're you know when you're a young, young kid you don't you don't know you know you just goofing around and i'm I'm piecing notes together and um
0: yeah you play what you hear you play what's in your ear so how did you get yeah. to the spanish music how did that evolve where did that come from that all of a um. sudden that influences in what music brought you there
1: it was early on too so my first formal instruction was the rcm royal conservative music here in um i was living in mississauga at that time yeah. um, my parents i grew up in etobicoke in toronto but um and i was already I was doing the tennis racket posing and the acoustic guitar I started with and air guitaring to Beth. I remember I did a school concert where I air guitar to Beth by Kiss, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was fun. And then um, pop music—I don't know if you remember that song. Pop music, pop, yeah, pop, pop music. I don't even remember who the artist was, but there was like four or five girls in the class. They did a dance routine to the song, and they knew I played guitar. This is going back—I was just like seven or eight, nine. I had my acoustic. They said, "Oh, bring in your guitar," and so I was just like posing playing. (laughs) I remember you know my first gig in the gym I wasn't even playing real guitar I was just like goofing around on my acoustic guitar I remember that song pop music but it's funny what you remember right but that was an experience for me and I was nervous to get in front of everybody like oh my god I I don't even even though I'm not even playing the song but um (laughs) but the nylon thing came you know when I hit hit about 12 13 I think um I was getting into I was like I said I was um not gifted I was loaned a guitar and an amp from a family friend like you know happens a lot of times right people know someone in their family's playing oh I have an old guitar you can borrow it you just use it so that's what it was um it was an old Park amp which um predated Marshall so Park was a a, a brand of manufacturer of guitar amplifiers and he gave me um I had a Sears Silvertone I remember I still have that Sears Silvertone and um yeah and he had old nice old gibsons uh this was a russian um veterinarian. my parents uh, dr george Sappagan, rest in peace he was a very dear fa- family friend of my parents who came from a ha- russian hungarian and he had immigrated right. here before my parents and they met him at their cottage but anyway he was a great jazz kind of guitar player he played um, when he was not being a veterinarian he would again he would be playing perform music with his band and he lent me so much stuff you know he was very kind he knew i was starting to play guitar and so he said, give the son here, Here's a guitar and here's an amp for him here to, you know what I mean? So um, and get back to your question. So I started off, you know, with that acoustic steel string my dad bought me just goofing around, not really playing anything, no formal lessons. And then gifted that guitar to use, you know, um, the electric guitar when I was really young as well. But again, not taking any formal instruction, just kind of goofing around, like you said, learning st- uh, smoke on the water and whatever, I just started manifesting and and still using my parents stereo like you said i would go on the big stereo when my parents were home because i could do it then we play the albums on there otherwise yeah i did the exact very funny thing we did the same thing because i wasn't allowed to play all that stuff kiss alive i remember my mom looking at that album she thought this was like what is this end of the world gene simmons <laughs> spewing blood with the long tongue you know what i mean and we're going back to like the early 70s she's like no way this is demon that guy looks like a demon She said a monster and he did if i look back at yeah I, I get that you could i could get that representation she took from it and uh, they had the whole co- his nickname was the demon that was his character the demon yep. so she was actually right she goes he looks like a demon i go now I'm, but yeah my mom was right she didn't nail it that was way. but um so then when i wanted to get into guitar formally uh classical guitar was where i started right i went to the royal conservatory and uh, I went up to about grade six level guitar. I did their theory, the Barber Worm. And uh, I still have I still have my original theory books that I used to fill out. I still kept them, you know, that I used to do all the exercises that they would give me on basic harmony. Um, and, you know, writing out scales, writing out whatever was full, full of the book. Um, so that's my, answer my that's my long short. That's where really the, cause the nylon string, I was learning classical. So I got that sound in my head and I really enjoyed it too, it was um, a balance. You know, I've always had multiple, even guitars when I was young I had electric and I had an acoustic and I said I really like this nylon string sound and then it later was really realized in my career where I could actually earn money um a substantial amount of money to actually be able to support my my kids when they were young because I played in rock bands first like I was studying classical guitar you know going back into my teens and uh but then I got into jazz and more rock I was playing a lot of electric stuff and that's when I formed the rock band me I mean my brother started playing guitar he kind of copied me like many siblings do my I was playing guitar my brother said he so he started copying me he starts playing guitar I mean, my brother still to this day I really he's a doctor but he's a great guitar player still he's, he's marvelous a hobby he didn't do it professionally um other than the one song that you enjoyed the Guitaric stomp we did that one together and performed that so um but so I started this classical guitar formal instruction at the conservatory and theory a, I remember a, a local a piano teacher I was going to her house for theory and um so I really enjoyed that sound so I think that's where my whole you, you know love and passion for the nylon string guitar developed and then like I said fast forward I you know I went through the whole rock band phase and with homegrown Q07 homegrown we were the finalists in that and we performed and I was recording a lots of rock and like Paradise Alley stuff, recording all that. But still, while practicing the classical guitar and getting into flamenco, so when the band finally fizzled out, the rock stuff, right? Um, the band broke up. Everybody else went off and did, and I was already teaching by then. So I was making. I've always made my living with music. I didn't really have the only part time jobs I ever had. Really was my dad. He worked for Royale, Um the t- you know they made tissue paper company. They were to Procter Gamble, and Gamble. Now they have another company bought them out. But anyway. Those are my summer jobs where I made a lot of money to, you know, enough to buy a car or buy some equipment, you know. And while I was, you know, still um, studying guitar and then I started teaching at some local music stores. And then once the band thing we did for years and years, we tried out and we started gigging out Rock on Roll Heaven, Gasworks, Nags Head North, all these classic Toronto venues, you know, that were when we played all that hard rock, hair, hair rock, you know, thing of the 80s but when that all fizzled you know everything was fizzling this whole this whole seattle grunge thing was coming up in the 90s and kurt cobain it smells like teen spirit hit and that was like the beginning and now i look back at the music i think it's a lot of it's awesome you know a lot of great music came out of that period but back then you're listening into the late 80s and i'm we're like hair hair metal band like van halen and rat and white Snake and Dawkins and i like all this hair rock and like meanwhile though i was still with the one in the band i was still studying i got into classical and like I said, I love finger style guitar. So I was very diversified, comes back, right? My, I named an album diversity later on, but I was all, always a very diversified guitar player. I was not like, I see a lot of my students are just metal heads or they're just rock guys and they didn't even listen. I, for some, I think of my parents, because I heard jazz early on and I heard the pop music from my mom, mom, and, and uh, hearing the stories about my grandfather playing guitar and, and the, the veterinarian who was a jazz guitar player, you know, a Russian, Hungarian kind of jazz mix gypsy kind of a guitar player so I had a lot of influences coming in all over the place for me so I was a little more I say adventurous and open-minded at a very young age because again it's the exposure it's what you're exposed to as a child and growing up in your teen years that kind of shapes your future so yeah for me I had a lot of exposure a very diversified musical exposure so that's why I kept the classical guitar the whole love of Latin guitar meanwhile I was in a rock band with long hair I was still playing classical guitar and finger style uh, whereas everybody else in the band was very much rock you know they weren't diversified at all like the drummer and the bass player my brother the singer everybody was just rockers you know I was the only one in the band who could bring hey you know I had studied Harmony and Theory and reading I was reading music and I was already starting to teach music by then so I was I was very um, um I was the educated one and I went to York University for music so you know what I mean Yep. whereas nobody else in the band had any kind of formal training Everybody was just they're good players they got to be good players in the rock genre um i remember the one drummer we later got he went to humber i remember dale harrison a wonderful uh still friend to this day killer drummer he went on and um did uh the name of the band he had had quite success and it was um the name of the band now headstones the band was called the headstones it was Mm -hmm. like a punk rock band and uh the lead singer was went on to become a canadian actor and something like that but anyway he left our band to join headstones because they were getting places but Musicians I was worked with when I was younger, which was rockers, and then later, obviously, I met all my other musician friends to this this day. But that's the long, you know, that's the long answer. But I kept going. I was always diversified. I was studying the nylon sound, and that evolved into flamenco, and 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 so I. It makes sense that when the band dissolved, that when the the grunge area hit in the nineties, that's what I was kind of leading up to. The hard rock stuff was fizzling. And it was dead. The, we we were on a record. We had a record deal with MCA, Duke Street Records, for our, our rock album. Right. It was a band called King Courage. We were recording at Manta Sound, which is a beautiful studio downtown, um, with um, um, Ross Monroe, who was our manager at that time, and Andy Hermant owned the studio. And um, but again, they heard they they were right on the cusp too. They heard this the, uh, everything was coming in. Nirvana just broke, and you got Soundgarden, and got Pearl Jam, and you know, all these bands. And they're we're sitting in the studio recording this hard rock stuff, and literally uh, we were dropped. You know, it was like, nope, we're not going to invest any more money in this. Everything is changing grunges in the band dissolved we weren't into it because it was so new it was like this sounded like garage rock too it. it was like unpolished like when you first heard smells like teen spirit I was like what is this we're like <laughs> I'm coming with classical and I've been studying jazz and I was playing rock at a high level and I had a shred album that me and my brother came out with like shredding me and like high intensity guitar and we hear this stripped down we're going like I can't even relate to this you know what I mean let alone what they went through the story of they went through hardships a lot of that music was very dark you know very drug-induced and you know addiction you know the music was a very different we came from nice beautiful middle-class white picket (laughs) families you know what I mean so I didn't I couldn't relate I wasn't writing dark music about a tortured soul you know I was writing just kind of copying was on the radio at that time what moved me it was very guitar driven so that dissolved the band everybody left the band we couldn't keep it up we tried various iterations and never did and I I kept going. I was the only one. Everybody else went on to get different jobs. My brother went back to university, like I said, became a doctor. Uh if I look at my the one singer moved to Nashville, got into crypto, like security. Um, you know, like now it's huge, right? Cybersecurity is one of the biggest oh, things. Of course, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's in cybersecurity. The other bass player, he went on to like some music marketing company, and then Dale. I think the drummer Dale, he was the only one who continued playing drums professionally as well. But the band dissolved and the various singers. So I migrated to the music that made me money earlier. Like that's what I, was, I I said later on, I go off on these tangents, but it gives you the perspective. Um, Cause I couldn't make rock, money with rock What I was playing that hard rock stuff in the hair. You right. know what I mean? And by then I had met my first wife and I was starting to get a family. And I had to think, you know, so for me, because I was always into education and knowledge and I had that university background and just a theory head. And I still have all my books here in my library part of my studio. I was I had the means because I could read the understand the language I understood you know I learned you know I had some good lessons that taught me how important it was that people called me on my lack of knowledge when I was a teenager and I said no I'm going to learn this stuff I want to learn jazz and I took lessons from I remember John Gargano a guy from frozen ghost uh, quite a popular Canadian band he moved from Florida to Toronto. And that's when Frozen Ghost is, and Arnold Lanny, he was a uh, singer in Frozen Ghost. He's now in LA and a, a big time, I don't know him personally, but a big time, a friend of mine knows him. He's a big time. He went on to do well in California and LA studio sessions and stuff like that. But Frozen Ghost had a couple you probably remember the love of my life. I don't have a lot to give you. It was some really nice songs, you know? Yep. And uh, so John sat me down and he, and I only went for him. I said, John, I'm already playing. He goes, man, you're already playing guitar really good. Like you're ripping. and shredding better than I am like I can't even play this stuff you guys have these albums you're worth a rock band I said yeah but John I don't know what I'm doing as much like I need to learn the jazz I want to learn the what is all the jazz chords what are they playing so that's what he started me off you know 17 18 19 and I said okay and that's it so um I had that knowledge going into my 20s when the band dissolved when I was in my early 20s I said, OK, what am I going to do? I still want to play music. I didn't. I'll be honest. I was stubborn. I, I, I did not want to have another job. I didn't want to get a day job. You know, I've never really had it. I'll be honest. I never really had a day job. I've always been in music um, and I kept teaching. So luckily, my teaching got really able to support my music, you know, uh, my passion. I was teaching like five, six. I was teaching every day of the week at various music stores, a combination of many stores um, back then that were in Toronto music stores and uh and the gigging and i started but i started doing weddings and i remember one of the first gigs when i was teaching at a school they needed uh, uh one of the staff teachers she was getting married and she needed somebody to play at her wedding she's and she, you know we met through the school and she saw me playing the classical she said, oh you should come and play at my wedding we'd love you to play the music and that was one of my first wedding gigs where i played no rock you know what i mean it was all classical and just a solo finger style guitar and i evolved it later on with the backing tracks and I got it more sophisticated and in terms of, act- I programmed all my own songs and, you know, I added layers to, you know, stuff that I created and that was like, and I made good money and I was like, okay, this is something I could see myself doing. Cause I could still play my guitar and, you know, appease myself technically and spiritually and musically. And um, and that's where it all went in Latin. Like again, this is your answering your question. It was all nylon string guitar. I never brought an electric guitar with me for many many years I did gigs after the rock stuff where that kind of fizzled um you know I was always had a nylon string guitar a classical and then a plug-in with Godin the relationship started and I recorded my first album you know it's me holding a flamenco guitar my very first album on the classical guitar the without words album yeah and uh, I don't know if I have that on oh yeah is there uh yeah that's a flamenco guitar that from 2005 that guitar is, is still here it's right beside me I love that guitar I play that guitar still all the time. I kind of rested it for a while and now I brought it back, so I'm teaching it a lot. I, remember, I forgot how a, a beautiful guitar that is. And um, it's much more reddish. On the color without words, it's very gray. But that guitar itself is um it's right here, so I can actually Why not, right? Why not? Why not show my baby here? This is one of them. I got I got guitar. Like I said, there's all guitars within a reach for me, but this is the good, this is the this is the I don't know if it's I changed the strings on this during the holiday. So that's why it's probably out of tune right now. But this is that guitar. This is the without words, flamenco guitar, handmade from Spain, Andalusia. Nice. And it's worn, like you can see the neck is worn down. Completely. Yes, it is. My, that's from my thumb. Like when your thumb, you're playing guitar, my thumb is always traveling from pretty much the first fret down to the 12th. So I have a, a big, like from one to nine, cause then my fingers reach the twelve. you know, but my thumb is always kind of like ripping over here. You yeah. know what I mean? So I have this whole, I've worn down the neck completely <laughs> right down to the bare wood. But this guitar, it's not a tune, but whatever, there you go. Enjoy that. <laughs> that's that's a, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I changed strings. I did, you know, Christmas, I was chilling. So I changed, I went and sat down on my guitars and I said, let's change all the strings, but I haven't been gigging as much. So I haven't maintained the tension on the strings. So that one, but again, that's just sitting there, but I start teaching with that next week. So I'll get that one back in tune, but that's that guitar from without words. That gave, that guitar has brought me so much income, like in terms of my living, right. you know, because I played that guitar, and, and there's a classical upstairs in the living room that I knew to long when I'm in the TV room. I kind of have another guitar on stands everywhere. And, um, excuse me, that was the one upstairs I bought with my own money, 300 bucks musician supply. I bought that Highway 10 in Dundas. I remember being a 16, 17-year-old kid. I wanted a better classical guitar than I had because I was really like I said at 15 16 I was all in classical so i bought almost like a 350 dollar classical I think it was solid top Yamaha you know and it's a great guitar still this day it's good I've even recorded uh some stuff with it I think there's a few songs on my recordings that I use that guitar because it was that good sound of I was like this guitar actually can I could record with it um so you know it just it was a manifestation of my passion and um for where my parents my dad's first got me into classical guitar when I started like wanted me to take formal lessons the conservatory, and then having the realization that, okay, the rock band is done by 1992. You know, 91 was homegrown. We came in the finals and placed, we won there. And then 92, we placed again. And that was it. 92, we were done. Record label dropped us. Grunge was in full force by 91, 92. And it was not viable for us to continue that. The band broke up. And I said, okay, I had to make a decision. Uh, so I said, let's continue teaching. Had all these I was teaching at like six seven days a week literally I was teaching like oh my God I have so many students I still have a lot but not as much in that because now I choose by design not to have as many students um but and then um and starting to gig in the evenings in the this is during the 90s we're going to like post nine like 92 on till about 2004 when I released without words so there was like a 12 year you know give or take yes I'd say from 92 to 2003 and three four where i was gigging nonstop with my nylon string guitar and like i said that's when you know in 97 i had my first my son justin was born and then 2000 was my son matt you know what i mean so yep. you know i was earning a lot of um well a lot you know i wasn't a millionaire but i'm just saying i was earning my livelihood from that those that classical guitar right there and eventually i got a godin the godin i got i met those guys um but on the 90s i met uh, uh when did i meet good i met them in 97 or 98. so i still had the old classical guitars i was using um and that passion and so you know you can see where the transfer has been on all my albums so yes. now now we go to 2004-5 i'm in my room i'm in my house in um, uh, mississauga where, you know that's where i live with my first wife julie um we had our two kids and i was living there and i was recording my first album because I was now working with Roland. I got a gig. Um, I was teaching still, but I, when I was, um, uh, I was down on a break one time from teaching, I had one student who canceled or something like that. And, um, there was a rep from Roland boss Canada. Roland is a huge digital music yep. uh, company electronics. And I knew the rep Brad, um, great guy. And, um, he saw me playing and then he came, he goes, you know what, man, I'm just gonna throw this out there um we're looking for like a a guitar product specialist right now you know and i've seen you play many times and i love your playing and you know have you ever thought of going to like a sales because now product specialist means you have to be selling their equipment basically that's what it was (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean um they're not you're just gonna play and get paid so like you demonstrated the gear but you know as you learned you had to sell the gear you know so there was quotas and every week you had to write a report like how many should you sell how many boxes did you sell of uh, guitar equipment <laughs> but I love the job I did that for three years so that was you know from teaching and, and doing all the classical gigs and and finger style and acoustic gigs and migrating and then that 97 that opportunity to work till 2000 uh for three four years I was with Roland as a guitar product specialist right so why am I saying this well I had access to so much recording gear and I had a sample account Well, I started borrowing, and back then, they started bringing all those hardware recorders out, the VS840, the VS880, the 1680, and that was the unit I recorded with. They were digital, hard, everything's software. Before then, there wasn't the software integration yet. There wasn't Logic and Pro Tools. Back then, they had hardware units that you would, you know what I mean, all in one. It had like a hard drive, like a a CD player that you could record CDs, and I still have all that kind of crap. Um, I don't have the recording machine. I did sell that, but I still have all the masters that I recorded on that machine. Mm -hmm. um so that's where the first album without words was kind of born you know i um was doing teaching still i've always i've been teaching non-somps pretty much since 1988. i've never stopped teaching since 1988 guitar um after i got good enough you know i wasn't at the peak of my development i don't think i'm ever am going to be at the peak i'm still growing but i was good enough in 88 to land a job you know what i mean teaching at some a local music store and then that one thing that and i was a go-getter next thing i applied another store another store another store and I was teaching at four or five i don't know a bunch of different music stores like i said all late 80s 90s went out the rock band thing had my first son and then got the rolling gig while i was still teaching at, and that was at merriam where brad saw me was at the merriam school of music in uh oakville and i still teach there in my 27th year now at oakland merriam and I, I have nothing but adoration and love and respect for merriam music and what they've done for my life they've helped raise my kids pay my bills um i still teach two days there you know Vaughan now i don't teach no because i moved out to the east end in durham But Miriam Music and Alan Merriam and the staff there now, Stu and Min and Mary and everybody there, I just adore everybody. We just had our staff meeting there and I just have nothing but love and respect for everybody there. And what Alan has created there, uh, such an an amazing musical institution. He's a dear friend and I love him to death. And um, but it was a huge part of my life teaching, teaching music and teaching the um, lot of students. And meanwhile, balancing the recording and then performing so it's allowed me to do everything having that core teaching position has allowed me to do gigs and has allowed me to record these albums and you know what i mean yeah so for these have always been my kind of my life this has been my jobs like i said i don't and they're not really a day job you know what i mean it's just it's all encompassing kind of in music and um that's my long story there for you about how the nylon but that's how it's shaped really my career you know and um it's such an important part of me that that 90s was a period where i had to find myself you know we go through this period like where am i going like i could have quit like Mm -hmm. my bro like so many of the band members they're not in bands like i have so many friends still this day they're friends but they they always say rob you're still doing man you're still you're like you know i was joking i'm like yeah i'm the dummy of us all i kept going this music thing you know what (laughs) i mean (laughs) like i'm definitely not in it for the money but um but it's true it's a hard ride i'm not gonna um soften it or You know, it's, it's been, I love it. I wouldn't change it, but it's, it's a challenging career. I'm not going to put it. This is an easy career for anybody watching this or young people say, ah, music, it's guaranteed. I'm guaranteed. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not Nothing. There's no guarantees in any life. No. And we're always salespeople for whatever. We're always selling. I I always tell my students, you're, you are a sales, even if you like sales, like my wife hates sales. Yeah. But I'm telling, honey, you're a salesperson. When you write a resume or you apply for a job, you're, you're a salesperson, you're selling your skill set. So don't say I, I, I hate she doesn't say it anymore. But you know, students are like, oh, I don't want to get into sales. I want to be producing and yeah. I be recording know I mean, you, but... you know,
0: but... in your heart, right, Rob? I mean, that's why yeah. you said music, you followed your heart. That's that was part of and you hear it in yeah. your music. I mean, I have to say you hear it in your, yeah. music, And you also hear so you talked about the diversity of the music in your background. yeah, And you hear that in your music because you have albums that take you on a roller coaster ride. <laughs> you get yeah. to moments in 2015. Oh, yeah. And Sip and salsa is yeah. This one style of music that you switch, the next one is rite of passage. And anybody who listens to one (laughs) and the other, if you put them side by side, people would say, These are two different people. I hear those two. And it's, Yeah, that's you. That's you taking me on a ride. That's you wandering me through your brain saying, Today I'm this. Today I'm that. Yeah. Synergy was even, I won't say worse. Synergy was even more, I won't call it experimental, but it's kind of like in your head, you're saying, I'm going to try some of and some of and some of. Oh, yeah. Hope has this ethnic flavor to it that you kind of go, yeah, I can get into this. I could get yeah, it. and the a Latin our flavor. SRT hits and it's, oh, yeah, I'm in the rock. <laughs> yeah, baby. And then, yeah, starting stomp. And it's something entirely different. I'm in I'm in Alabama. I'm yeah, 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 with yeah. Uh, with my my my, yeah, team, blue, my
1: bluegrass kind of. Team. And I'm listening
0: to music. All of it, it, it doesn't sound like somebody's trying something. Yeah. It sounds like somebody knows this. And is playing something that comes from the heart. Uh, yeah,
1: because I produce all my, well, I, I co-produce or I produced all my own albums. So I would need someone to really to keep me. Hey, nope, no, nope, We need another tune like this. Nope, we need. I was like, I don't know. I had enough of that. I want to do this.
0: So well, I need yeah. to see and watch you do this for a long, extended period of time and pull the samples out. You know, because you won't follow yeah. that train. There's no way I could see you sitting for a year producing one kind of music. You'd say, no, I'm doing yeah. this today. Another perfect example of this is Bria Bria Bria. Yeah. we're going to hear that later uh, in the in the interview. Mm-hmm. That one has and I, I put on my notes, Gypsy Kings-esque feel. Ah, yes. yeah, and makes sense. I absolutely love that song from that perspective. And then you get Elevations. And Elevations, oh, yeah. you did two versions of You did an orchestrated version, which I like. Yeah. but the solo guitar version just blows me away i hear the intro and it's holy crap this i could hear this i could see as background music if i was watching a documentary on yosemite this oh, yeah, yeah yeah background just to give you that sense of awe the music just sort of pulls you into this vista of holy crap <laughs> and hearing it it's so different the two have similar styling so you could say that elevations the the acoustic version of it has a kind of a spanish feel to it because you are doing an excessive amount of fingering at the very beginning that sound to and you're going to pull up your guitar and do it i'm trying
1: Uh, well yeah i'm playing that let me just give give me uh,
0: just give me one second
1: yeah it won't take long real folks (laughs) enjoy the tuning song no charge for this this is a rough tuning still a little off you can see i changed the strings all the strings are still like dangling i don't even like i just literally and with nylon guitars i hate to take you off your your tangent here but (laughs) i'm only gonna do 10 seconds here but But yeah, I changed a bunch of strings, just getting them ready to get back into the new year. So I'm just, I wanted to give some TLC to my guitar. Um, yeah, but, oh, come on, I'm I'm a fusser for, there.
0: Right, but that's what you're talking about there, right? That's so. what I'm talking. That's mm-hmm. phenomenal. You hear that? I mean, and what's funny is, is what you get to see right now. What you saw was your, your, you were doing the cording <laughs> with your fingers. They're barely moving, but the sound is this phenomenal. And you're looking at your fingers. You're not moving them much. How are you making that sound? You're not moving because you can't see the playing hand. Oh yeah, I Not because it's a blur, but because it was out of shot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can show you that too quickly. What happens? Yeah, that's a tremolo guitar technique all that is is it's when you're doing all oh, the lights on it there we go that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it is it's just like I'm doing either triplet roll or it's still like fun it's like classical it's a classical it's a total classical guitar piece just um you know with I don't know different kind of chord progression but it's it's very much comes from Leyenda or uh Al- Al- like Ibanez where I where I first heard that piece Leyenda it's very much um has that inspiration that was a classical piece that I grew up uh performing learned how to play that for RCM stuff and um so you, all these little um what you call influences come through in your playing so that's uh, you know tremolo is a very classical uh uh based and flamenco based. there's three note tremolos four note tremolos there's a five note tremolo so I I kind of go back between three and four note there depends on the passage when you hear when you go to the C sharp minor nine then I go into a four note tremolo and then I do three note and then I mix it up again on pur- on purpose I want to integrate that but um, like you said though those sounds are so distinct right like you're saying is um is this the same artist I'm listening to uh you know from (laughs) SRT and going into elevation
0: well the thing um, is I I hear it because I've listened to everything of yours now I have listened to it and anybody who is listening to the interview today anybody listening has to follow through listening to all of your music so that they get that actual (laughs) auditory capability of hearing it and saying oh that's a rob Tartic sound that's rob Tartic sound that's what that is yeah. because that's what i now have if i hear anything on the radio that's yours i'll know it's you yeah because well, i now have love. that built into my ear that i can hear you in any of these styles of music that you've got the other thing that's yours that i think that is really i liked i really liked it's interesting is the way you do intros that lead into something else you do that with um is it Hang Time? You do that with Hang Time. You oh, yeah. do yeah. Yep. You definitely do that with Voyager. Yep. Yep. Where the intro starts you, and you're thinking, "Oh, it's going to be this kind of song," and then yeah. all of a sudden, it takes you on a tangent, and it's a pleasant tangent. It's not one of those, you know. I would say that Hang Time is a little more comfortable. The the transition is comfortable. Kimbacha yeah. definitely, you hear the transition, and you say, "Ah, wow, I like this. I like I, it, it. It's a lively transition." And Voyager, it's you start off with this comfortable drive. Voyager is one of those songs that you begin somewhere, and then all of a sudden you're off someplace else. And it's such a lovely transition. I absolutely love it. But where does that come from?
1: Uh, I think it comes from... Uh, the answer is going to maybe... I don't start song. It really comes from 80s metal. Yeah, because <laughs> not, not people aren't listening for that. You know, like, if I listen to a lot of them... Not all of it. There's other influences there. But uh, I... And and pot, I guess it's it comes from like, I'm trying to in- integrate this into a, a, a nice cohesive transparent answer. But there's a lot of again, my brain the way I work. I don't know if I have attention deficit. I don't believe so. But I just have so much styles of music that I like to integrate in my playing. You know, so for me, um, it's hard to uh, you know it's hard to just sit back like you said and do a whole album of whatever you know, jazz, you know, I got elements of jazz in my music, I got elements of classical and flamenco and R&B and pop and rock. But, um, you know, uh, to keep myself moving forward musically, I need to create interest in my music. So I don't like boring arrangements, I find a lot of there's a lot of music historically that has, um, for lack of a word, a better word, and you have to be in music like the arrangements and the structure, it's kind of boring. You know, it doesn't have, I like a song to have a distinct intro. Like, does the song have an intro that catches the listener? Something interesting. It doesn't have to be something, you know, like night and day, you know, difference. Like you said, yeah, like, I just like the arrangement. It's not as much having um, distinct, like you said, a distinct intro. I just want the songs to have interest, you know, so the intros become part of the song. Like, it's, it's not something I... You know force it's just something that's part of me i like arrangement songs i like a good intro i like a verse i like this drink bridge i like a pre-chorus in some song if they need it and again these are if the song needs it i'm not going to jam a song full of all these parts if it doesn't need it but my music i tend to write again going back to that pop and that 80s when i used to listen to that 80s hard rock or metal like van halen or i'm going back to you know they had good songs like van halen would always come up with some really cool interesting intro to a song and I have to give credit where that's due. So for me, when I used to hear, it, like, say, Eddie, who was a huge influence to me for, you know, to me, he's one of the top two rock guitar, other than Hendrix. They, they defined music at a very deep level, rock music, beyond. There's lots of amazing rock guitar players, but Eddie Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix did something very distinct, and they, they actually shaped the sound and the way the instruments played and held, and it looks. And the culture of guitar, you know I mean? They're they're, they're so deep what they created, the ramifications, all positive ram, you know, they really changed the whole landscape of guitar. So hearing, like I said, when I said 80s, I'm I'm specifically referring to like say Van Halen or, or some of those hard rock bands, they'd always have these cool guitar intros, you know? A distinct intro, then they go into a different verse, and then they'd have a guitar solo, and then have a bridge, and then on the ending, maybe they'd bring back that cool intro, or maybe just. So I always thought this is kind of cool. I love the variety within one song, you know. So hopefully that answers your question. So then now, before moving forward, obviously in my ten albums, whatever, whatever the songs, not all of them are that diverse in terms of arrangements, no. but I definitely have a lot of songs that have yeah, like Rob Bob comes to mind. Has that bam boom boom ba-dum, boom 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 boom? You know that one? I'm sitting there going. I'm chugging on like you know just the yeah, chord. Oh, I should prepare a guitar that's in tune, but it's real. You know I'm doing that. You know I'm doing a bass line and I'm comping the chords like kind of like jazz finger style, you yep. know beboppy kind of thing. I, I love that kind of phrasing. But then when the song comes in, it's like. Da-da-da-dum. It it is. It is. Yeah, that's right. and then the verse has a different feel syncopated very high groove oriented and then three choruses, but very melodic arpeggiated lines and then the chorus comes in you know what i mean and then the bridge the solo breaks down the saxophone comes in then the guitar breaks down solo and then we have that bridge another breakdown part where it's very percussive so yeah that song again and i have quite a few like that um I like the interest I like like you said a roller coaster that song kind of takes you on a journey but I love that I don't like a static song it's not me not that I don't some songs they can work but me Rob Rob Tardic, as a totally static song especially as I grow as a musician yeah no it's not really my thing I uh, do I have some of those yeah in my early days I think there's a few I had like flow and um you know, this off the first album. I had a f- songs I listened back to. The, yeah, they don't really move me dynamically that much. But that's my first album. I did it all myself. I, you know, I programmed all the drums, played the bass, all the guitars. My first crack in 2003, three, four, writing an album, putting it out in 2005. But there's some key takeaways from that. And there was some good tunes on there as well. And some it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I think every artist looks back at their early works and go yeah, that was good. Others like cringe. like uh, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know about that one, what I was thinking. But. <laughs> At that time, that's where it was at in that yeah. moment, that song, and it wasn't coming to my fingers and my brain and my heart, like you said. And um it's all good. It's part of the journey, right? It's a roadless journey, like so it's,
0: so. it's all good. I do have a question about that because you say, you know, some songs are kind of cringe where they sell. So, a lot of musicians I say that their music is like their children, okay? So that each yeah. piece is precious <laughs> unto itself. It's you know, this is my baby. But for you, do you have a favorite?
1: yeah I'm I'm I'm, I think I have a few that come to mind I I I have a hard time just picking one because I've written quite a few songs now so it's like hard to when you're choosing a set list you know it's like you know you only get an hour show it's like oh my god those are the ones like what am I going to choose an hour like I don't know like whatever you know (laughs) like I'm not going to play all the ones that I like or I think the audience will like you just can't you don't have the timing for it, right that's why it'd be nice to have a longer show like a full full two two hours like two one hour set or you know where you can just go off and really play and then You can get ah that's the breadth of this artist but when you're forced into a little small it's like yeah then i'll just give him some of the latin like you said then diversity then it's like i'll just give him the latin songs today i'll give him the smooth funky contemporary jazz songs today let's just do the finger style rob tardic kind of songs or let's do some of the vocal like i've written vocal let's just do the vocal song because sometimes work with singers i just play all the vocal tracks that i've written you know or co-written that's all i don't even do any of the other funky stuff so people you know that's it's a curse and a blessing my music i always say you right. know um because i play so many different styles a lot of times people who see me at shows or out they only see a snippet you yeah. know what i mean so i may be playing the rob tartic i'm in latin mode so when they see me oh he's like a latin guitar player and then like you said you they don't know that oh my god he i'm just as comfortable playing electric crazy kind of you know that whole van halen inspired guitar yeah. crazy shred i love that kind of stuff um then i love jazz i love like fingerstyle guitar I love classical I love uh contemporary funky jazz with horns and and cool you know like phrasing and stuff like arrangements but it's hard in the moment so whatever you see if you're passing by somewhere to gig you just you get labeled but for me I find that's the curse because I'm not that whereas other artists you can pass by no offense like you can go past the blue rodeo show when you hear the one song you know you're gonna get the whole evening of blue rodeo no offense obviously the band but you know what I mean like when I I know my wife loves Blue Road, she always shows, but I know when I, when I listen to the music, I go, I hear one song, no offense, I know pretty much what the two-hour show is going to be about with Blue Rose yeah. You yeah. know, I, like, I got it. I got it. Rob Tardick, you hear one of my songs, no, and the next song, no, and the next song, no, the next song, <laughs> next song. That's what I like, though, but it's a curse because it's very hard to sell. Like, I, I have trouble getting gigs a lot of times because... Promoters and agents, they just want to box you in. Like, what are you? That's the question. Like, well, are you jazz? Are you Latin? Are you rock? Are you like.
0: It's an evening with Rob Tardick. That's what it is. Well, that's what I sell. You know, I mean, what I think.
1: I'm if you are sold I just need more people like you would believe because <laughs> then I think I could be touring and performing nonstop because I got so many music and I think like you said it does tie together they're not randomized in the sense that I'm going to alienate an audience member no, no. if you're a, you know a 70 70 year old uh, you know woman who loves music or a man you're sitting there I think you're going to enjoy my show you're going to hear yep. diverse you're going to hear latin pop and jazz and latin and a little bit rock maybe if I go off a little bit Sure. You know, one of the one of the tunes you mentioned to me that i enjoy playing that i don't play often is M's, which is like a whole fusion it's off the synergy album it's a very different sounding song but i love that song because it lets me it's still melodic like it has it has melodies but it lets the band really go off on a tangent and i always tell people in the audience when i've played that song a few times i said now's the time if you want to take a bathroom break or you know, <laughs> go off, take a break, because the band is going to do a, now a self indulgent song, but nobody ever leaves. And actually, everybody stays. They go, oh, well, I want to hear the song. And then after they just like, yeah. people love it. They go, oh my God, we love this song. It's crazy, but tard. But you get the industry where it's, yes. you know, I've had, like, I've physically, or like said, I've had people say, well, we don't know what your sound is. It's like, we like it, but we don't know how a brand. I don't know how to market this. Like sometimes yeah. agents and it's, you know, whether they're lazy or they're just, you know, they just, it's easy. I'll be honest. I think it's part of that. It's like, it's too hard. It's like, ah, I can just sell this, this tribute bank. Cause people know exactly what they're getting. And I can make a lot more money as an agent. So no offense to agents, but honestly, yeah. it's the path of least resistance. If you yeah. got to really work with somebody and got to figure, but I think overall they missed up because they could have made a, probably a lot more money and a bigger. They don't see the bigger picture because you're just promoting little whatever it is smaller items like smaller picture things like this tribute this tribute this tribute this year that's just like piecemeal but if you develop the big art, if somebody you know when you find people who've developed the big artists and they didn't you know what i mean and then they went off to become world famous that guy goes yeah i stuck with them and i developed them like you know like a lot of times the big bands you know i'm sure people didn't like their music at all queen maybe they were very diverse you know and who yeah. and look whoever managed whoever was in that team Queen look where it brought them but if you first heard their music right yeah. you listen to these guys and go like they're like I I love and I I that's why I respect that band so much because they took chances yeah. you know back in the seven you listen to Queen you have Bohemian Rhapsody then you have we will rock then you, you know another one bites the dust they're like playing funky they're playing yeah. like classical orchestrated big time you know they they took chances and I love that but you see in the movie there's even scenes when the record guys are like, no, this is not the single. Like, what is this? No, yeah. no, no, no. But they fought back. And next thing you know, Bohemian Rhapsody takes off when it's funny in the movie. And I could just imagine you bring that back then. It's like me bringing like I'm not comparing myself to me, but my, the diversity, you know, I'd bring a song to the agent or something like this is the kind of showing, Oh, well, I don't know about this. This is not going to because they have their own preconceived notions. Right. What? Yeah. So but they're they're laughing now they're going yeah but we did somebody you need somebody to believe in you i think to support you you know what i mean who has some ins though you some you know i mean not your like obviously your family will support you and i appreciate you guys having me here but you need a little team behind say you know what this artist has something this is a unique nobody's doing this nobody's really playing such a diverse connected music that can move a large audience like there's something for everybody here but no so that's why i said my curse and my my blessing is in life, I'm very satisfied musically because I produce, I'm authentic, like you said, it comes from my heart. But trying to convince others, like who are very much just dollars and cents, people love it, a lot of artists. Well, look, listen, like I, I go back again to Van Halen. He had Eruption and all these pieces where he would go crazy, you know what I mean? And people, yeah. to this day, people loved Eruption. You know, yeah. they loved the intro to Hop for Teacher who does all the tapping. They loved um, Spanish Fly. He did this whole acoustic thing on a steel string guitar that was fantastic. But then he goes into you know what I mean like he goes into a, a typical hard rock song but then he released that whole keyboard the jump thing you know very pop keyboards yep. and piano and synthesizers he went through a whole synthesizer phase and yeah I, I love it all like so again when I said my, your answer original I said 80s hard rock specifically like there was certain bands like event he's the first one that comes to mind because it's just he was a very diverse guitar player he did a lot of maybe not going to classical he, although he had some classical piano background but he experimented and people loved it whereas I listened to a deep purple or, uh, no other, you know, no offense to like those men, they stayed more in their own lane and mm-hmm. uh black Sabbath or, even, you know what I mean? It was going back to those seventies bands. And yep. you mentioned Uriah Heep. they kind of stood in a lane where they didn't venture as much, you know, and that's, and that's fine. A hundred percent respect. Cause they're original. I anybody who does original music, whether you stay in one genre your whole career, like AC, DC, for example, yeah if it ain't broke don't fix it man word and guns and Roses, you know all these bands and i love them i think it's fantastic i personally just can't stay that in that lane myself musically because i at some point i'd jump ship i'd say you know what man yeah we've done 10 album hard rock i need to do something else to keep my and there's other artists you know what i mean who but it, it's hard, it's a hard sell especially today when everything is labeled and what are you and you know it's more so now with the internet and streaming and it's so Micro, micro managed in terms of where you sit. If you look yeah. at all the playlists, you look at Spotify, they have 10 million playlists and all this, and they got a seg you know what I mean? You're in this and this is this and this is this and you're this you're this artist and this artist like I get lumped into jazz and smooth jazz all the time or current you know and and it's like and I see that's yeah. not where you are man. I've, I go I've, I go, yeah, some of my music can fit that, but then my Latin stuff, nobody's ever even funny thing is my Latin music you love it and it's a huge part of my sound but a lot of people haven't heard my Latin stuff because it never gets it never gets played a lot because I'm always lumped into a specific genre so a song like Berla Burlante" or hope or um La Buena Vida or mm-hmm. um oh my god I can go on you know what I mean my own lane I got a whole album diversity volume three is all like I don't know 15 16 Latin songs but yeah. that's like then that's why the of people never even heard any of these songs so to me I've been doing this for so long but I have some people I've never even heard of you are you a new artist? I'm like no not a new artist i been doing this quite a while quite a while. but I'm I'm not a household name but I you know I'm not trying to get on my uh, pity party here but yeah I'm I'm it's you know you're you gotta it's it's a hard path you know what I mean and it's um yeah no and it's not it's I think with like again I'm by no means an AI that's not it's not where we came from you know what I mean we came from a very organic place where we created music and I studied whether it was in university studying theory and music and write, sight reading and learning. You know, I, I come from a very organic place where I had to create all this kind of myself and with other musicians and producers. And, you know what I mean? Like, we all, it was a sin. The whole synergy album, when you mentioned that earlier, the reason synergy is so diverse, I purposely did that way because I want to show people music is a synergy of all where our bodies are DNA and strands of molecules and atoms. You know what I mean? Everything is a synergy when you start putting together. Whether it's a, a group is a synergy. Five musicians coming together, A classroom in school is a synergy of, you know, a university lectures. All the people sitting there syn- getting listening to the concept from the prof and synergizing ideas and writing essays and whatever. Right. So my album synergy said, you know what? I want to encompass in one album the most I've ever tried let me put a little rock in there let me put a little like you said guitaric stomp my brother Lou Brewgrass then I did a finger style motion let's go back to my finger style classical but it's not a classical song but it has classical and flamenco elements 100 to perform it then let's do a, a beautiful vocal ballad once in a lifetime you know yep. for my wife that I love that I love that song that really meaningful that lyrics that song moves me a lot and let's do hope the nylon with the intricate kind of guitar playing and some fancy you, you that, know what I mean and I don't know just the whole album, I'm not gonna go through all in synchronicity a real moving I love that song these are the songs that you said what songs that I really like I love synchronicity I'm really proud of that one it's with the soprano sax in me and it's just got a vibe and I really like the the, the uh the intricacy and the um I don't know it just it's a soul it touches me that song. when I play that song I feel like that's a beautiful song even if I didn't write it, I would go man that's a really nice song to me personally I go that's a beautiful ballady mid-tempo song you know anyway and m&m's is then crazy (laughs) al de miola race of the devil on the spanish highway kind of like you know and uh, that's a really cool piece right so infusion but i'm going off tannier but yeah it's it's i don't know it's it's important that we keep that organic and that creative spirit in all us musicians and this is not just me saying you're saying this all, there's tons of musicians out there who are coming from maybe the little more previous generations who are a little more like we were brought up in that field. because ultimately the only problem I see with AI, and again I'm by no means an expert and I might be completely off, but it's the problem with it. It's not original. It doesn't come from an original, creative, inspired source. It's just pulling stuff that's already been out in the universe, right? So when it writes an essay or writes a song, it just I think it can just pool through everything that's been on the internet that's already been done mm. and then repackages in something else. So it's not original. It's not you know what I mean it's it's pulling itself from already established. So that's the problem with the I I find it's it's not authentic. It's not original. But I mean it then again, what is original anyway? You you
0: probably could get AI to create original by taking theory and jamming all theory, musical theory into the system. And it parses through musical theory and comes up with this is what the human ear actually enjoys. It could go through the history of music in 20 seconds, Mm -hmm. all of the different (laughs) styles, and simply take it and go, here's something original that does not exist currently because I already know what everything is, Mm -hmm. and plays it. And you'd say that's really original. The problem is it doesn't have the human aspect of heart and soul. That, to me, is what music is all about. And that's why do not fall into the trap of just producing one kind of music, please, Rob. Yeah, don't get yeah, that. yeah, 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 no, um, yeah. Keep going on the on the on the journey of I'm going to try different things. One thing that came to mind when you were talking about the the experimentation of synergy was what you did right now during the interview, where you tuned the guitar and then played the intro to um, to elevation yeah that was so authentic that was so real that would have been a really cool thing to do in your album it's like that chaos and
1: order in life you know what I mean guitar is (laughs) chaos you know and then bring order to it and melody and beautiful harmony and um, yeah and like you said yeah that's true it's um it's real that's I, I like that too that experience that's why you know I thought let's just do it we're here now and (laughs) <laughs> and what it is and so it's not pre-planned and that, that's always been even live like if stuff goes wrong or I'll, I'll just try things live too it's like let's just try it this is live music people we want to be entertained and like you're talking about you know i was i was thinking of an analogy when you were talking it's like music you can play a song but you can also perform you need to perform the song like i can play for you guys here in my room but this is a comfortable environment and i'll tune up the guitar and it's but to me this is not a performance when i get on a state you know what i mean like you get there and there's people in the audience and there's that energy and electricity now let's play this same song elevation i'm going to play it differently you know obviously i'll have my guitar in tune uh <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but um but this is but you know what i mean so it's uh but i i like but i like the organicness of this off the cuff it's like yeah i just go for it grab the guitar and because the world is not perfect no instruments guitars are not perfect they go out of tune and you gotta tune them you gotta restring them you're not perfect i gotta warm up and Get my brain into elevation it's not like i practice elevation i haven't played that song in ages but it's still in me you know what i mean but you just need a sec to uh, okay oh yeah there it is there yeah yeah Yeah, i haven't played that that song uh, i actually i have played it live but it was in a context of a different thing with my wife she was doing a a storytelling i was playing that song in the background and you can see that there's a video of me on uh uh, flato Markham. anybody's interested if you go to the uh, flato markham flato theater um you can watch our whole um uh, take your power back concert Oh, and fantastic. that was one that was one of the songs i played uh i've played a few songs but like i said that's a newer song i just recorded 2023 you know i just released it in march but i haven't had a chance to play that one too much But yeah. again again because it's that's my curse and you know i have so many different styles of music but i don't always have an element or environment where i can play that song because it's like right. classical guitar and yes. some gigs i get hired in the summer like a festival they don't want to hear classical guitar they want to hear i know what they want to hear they want to hear hope they want to hear hang time they want to hear the latin stuff they want to hear people grooving and dancing elevation is a song you could sit and chill like you said it's a soundtrack yeah. to a, a vacation that you sent or you know what i mean it's a beautiful yeah. but i love it it's good because it shows another facet of my um my personality like i i think as humans we have so many sides to us and for me my expression is through my music so i want to show people that side because i don't have another way exp- i'm not a if i wrote think about if i wrote books some people can write like authors you know i love authors who write all different books not always just one genre it's so always
0: one book and then the next book would be how to build a birdhouse <laughs> yeah right or
1: health and nutrition because I, I i could see myself i'd like not that I, I have the knowledge but write write a book on taking care of yourself like health and nutrition something like that. that'd be a that'd be a cool book that i'd be in reading i would read that or right now i'm reading homo sapiens which is the a fantastic book on uh, and if you have you heard that one I can't for, forget the name that the, the gentleman who wrote he's got another one Homo Deus which is up yep. too. I recommend a phenomenal read for every human being to really read this book because I think we need a perspective I've had that in my life several times now because through COVID and my wife which you are not going to get into that today but it's like a perspective correction I'm reading going okay uh we as human beings have gone off the track a little bit we have gone off track because this guy he spells it out you know um scientifically and emotionally and humanistic it's a humanistic book Mm -hmm. we're all humans and so reading I think we all need to read a book from a humanistic perspective sometimes not just a crime or a thriller or a food or a food or a whatever you know um it's it's an amazing read so I'm just my eyes are opening I'm going wow okay this is this is where we came from this is what we are this this is our species these are you know a lot of people homo sapiens they don't i don't think they need even know what the word means
0: you know we we're we're a bacteria that's going to be wiped out by a planet that doesn't really give a crap one way or another one yeah, way or yeah. another and we need to take that perspective to either continue ourselves here or to leave because this place isn't going to keep us if we keep doing what we're doing
1: no and that's why we need people and we have we've have the outliers in the world like a, i don't know Elon Musk you know what I mean somebody who is trying to you know what I mean like you may love or hate the guy but listen he's he's trying to move the needle forward I think at a gut level you know what I mean and I don't even drive a Tesla I'm just saying you know uh he's sent trying to send rockets to Mars to integrate a next place for us to potentially populate you know like or destroy you know or, I mean. or destroy <laughs> you know what I mean? or he's and the, the whole electric cars whether you like them or not or whether they really are good for the planet or not but anyway yeah they're this is the same kind of person he's looking at things from a very different and he's looking at the big picture and going back his and things it's important to understand history so we yep. don't you know it because we we constantly repeat ourselves and historically find I, I see it happen. of course it's interesting it's perspective is everything as we get older and we um it's tough when you're young because it's all me, me 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 in my world but as I get older I'm, I'm starting to look and, and and certain life events shape that you have to be I find you you hopefully on a good way but sometimes life will hit you in great ways change your perspective other ways very harsh for me it was a very harsh life and death experience that we had uh, two three or three years ago and we're still going through but it changed my whole perspective of my life you know it was yeah without getting into it but wow it was like an eye-opening
0: experience yeah. of what to well really that's what they now. said life is what happens when you're making plans so, but this yeah. is a strange tack to take from going. From <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going off tangent. like going off on life, but music. Tangent Tardic. That's my uh, wife's nickname. So, there you go. So, on that note, I would like to bring everybody back to the music field. And I'd like to now introduce the amazing talent of Rob Tardic with Brilla Brillante. Brillante, yes. Perfect. Shine Bright. I want to thank you, Rob, for spending some time with us, sharing your experiences, sharing your music. Thank you, sharing that that tune-up and playing live for us. That was extremely well appreciated. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. I've never, in all the time that I've interviewed, nobody else has sat down and actually played live for me. So you are that's well, a one of a kind. Take it what one-time. for what it was, um, but it was real. I'll, I'll say it. I, I like that, and yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Rob. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you, too. All the best in the coming year, Rob. Thank you. Bye-bye.